ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Molly's going to her and the world record's in jeopardy. Molly O'Callaghan over the top. Come on, Molly, stretch out. Yeah. She's world record. Amazing. What a finish. What a race. Australia won two. There are world records and then there are world records. The 200-metre freestyle mark that Molly O'Callaghan just broke has stood for 14 years. She was five years old when it was set. That woman was wearing a super suit. Less than a year out from the Paris Olympics, this teenage sensation just sounded an ominous warning. What makes her such an astonishing talent? How crucial is her coach and sporting meme Dean Boxall been in her ascension? Could this swimming squad be the best Australia has ever produced? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Tom Deeson is covering the World Champs in Japan for Channel 9 Papers. He's poolside right now. Tom, Molly O'Callaghan, 19 years of age, a gold medal, a world record. It's a big deal under any circumstances, but why is this especially significant? I think particularly just the, the swimmer and the calibre of athlete that she's beaten. Like Ariane Titmuss is an absolute champion of the sport. We know she's the reigning Olympic gold medalist in the 200 free and the 400 free. Her performance on night one here at the World Champs in Fukuoka where she smashed that 400 free world record by seven tenths of a second would suggest that she was on. This is one of the greatest performances Australia has ever seen. Ariane Titmuss has pulled away yes. and completely yes. dominated for gold in So everyone was very, very keen to see how that would translate into the 200. And her training partner, Molly O'Callaghan, who's kind of been waiting in the wings, waiting to assert her dominance at world level. She's won a 100-metre freestyle world championship last year, comes out in the last 10 metres. O'Callaghan's coming at her. The two Australians neck and neck. What an epic race. It's Ariane leading, but for how much longer? Overhauls aren't Ariane Titmus, which doesn't happen very often, if not ever to break the longest standing female world record there is on the books in long course. An incredible performance, her reaction afterwards was just special to watch and there's got to be a conversation around where Molly O'Callaghan fits within that Australian team at Paris next year because she is a serious, serious talent. I mean, given the last time this record was set, the Italian swimmer who set it was wearing one of those fabled swimsuits. Does this underline the magnitude of this feat? And, you know, if so, just how good could this young talent be? 100%. Like Ariane Titmus has come relatively close to that world record, but going back five years or so, no one thought that record would get touched for decades. Obviously, there was the Super Sedura. Very controversially, some of those world records still stood. But 14 years ago, that mark was set and everyone looked at that sort of high 152s and thought, wow, that's not going to get touched. And Molly Callahan's done that and, and sort of by a, a little bit of a margin, not just a hundredth of a second either. And under 153, incredible. 152.85, Molly O'Callaghan, incredible swim, so perfectly timed. The Australian team are absolutely wrapped for her, and, and don't forget as well, Ariane Titmus did a personal best there and came within an absolute whisker of that original world record, so that bodes Australian very, very good stead for, for Paris. And it's not like Molly had ideal preparation coming in. Can you talk to us about some of the setbacks or challenges she had coming into Japan? She dislocated her kneecap uh, five weeks out from the World Champs, doing a bit of stretching and, and felt it go, and obviously immediately panicked, thinking that might have been her World Championships out. Her and her coach, Dean Boxall, uh, discussed a plan and a, a modified training 
program she had it strapped and wasn't doing you know full-blown swimming sessions for a couple of weeks and like the lead up to this has been so like up and down like a roller coaster um just with injury and then coming off um trials and all that so she likes to have very meticulous preparation and have everything sorted and even before a big match she's as nervous as you get of anyone on the team and she'll tell you that herself i was really nervous leading up to this because i didn't know how i was gonna race in the four by 100 freestyle gold medal that australia won she was the lead off swimmer in absolutely smashed her 100 meter personal best time. So everyone thought, okay, Molly is on here. What a start for Australia. That is the relay world record, so it might be in the gun. And then she's just beaten Ariane Tippmann in a world record time in the 200. So hasn't affected her that badly, but it is a great story and a, a show of the, the work and, you know, that she has been doing under Dean to get her in a position five weeks out that even with a setback, she can still go out and break a world record. As you touched on, one thing that she has in common with Tipmas is their coach, Dean Boxall. I think most will know him as that long-haired, balcony-thrusting turbo who broke the internet at the Olympics. Why has he been so effective at this meet, but, you know, throughout his career, really? Everyone who speaks to him just says he is clever and he has very different methods of how to get the best out of athletes. He knows what buttons he can push with, with Ariane Timmis, but that will also be different to Molly O'Callaghan. What a unique situation where before last night's final, we have a coach with the two highest-ranked swimmers in the world giving them different race tactics to beat the other. Dean, hopefully he's proud of what I've done and how I executed the race. Hopefully I've stuck to the plan. I really know. Um, and I said to her, I think you did, you just broke a world record. But similarly, Ariane Titmus would have had a, a plan as well. So does Dean say to Ariane, I want you to go out hard. We need you to get Molly out of a you know, comfort zone by going out hard. And similarly, is he then saying 10 seconds later to Molly, um, I want you to hold back. And I think you've got the sort of strength and the back end speed to get Ariane at the, at the death. Um, I would love, love to be a fly on the wall for those conversations. We haven't heard from Dean this week. I haven't seen a celebration from last night too, but a, a weird one for him, right? I mean, he's celebrating Australian gold and silver but certainly not the kind of 400-metre freestyle Tokyo Olympics celebration that he's famous for. But he's a, a very, very good coach. He's got, almost got a third of the squad here, um, which people probably don't know. So he has really got his tentacles over a lot of this Dolphins squad. Can you just break down to us how weird it must be to try and divorce yourself from separate coaching plans for separate swimmers who you, you look after both and you want both of them to win the gold medal? Incredibly. He has 10 swimmers here. So, for example, Molly O'Callaghan, normally against Shana Jack, like at the Australian trials, are going head-to-head in the 100 metres freestyle. So this is across multiple different events. These swimmers have full faith in Dean, and he's having to give them race plans that are suited for their style of swimming to beat his own athletes. But ultimately, you know, what that does is that instead of Ariane Titmus versus Molly O'Callaghan once a year at a big swimming meet where there's media and crowd and a lot of attention on them, they're doing it almost every day um, at St Peter's up in the pool and they are training next to each other and racing each other every single day to get the best out of each other. So it has a positive effect. Sometimes when you've got a swimmer who is so far and above better than others and they're not challenged or not training as hard as they should be against someone who's going to challenge them, they struggle to, you know, find ways to improve those times and slash big times. So I think that's, you know, also testament to what he does is he's got such a good, strong, solid program that when you go to training, you know you're in for a battle every day. So given his success, you know, you touched on the fact that he's looking after one third of the team. Is there an argument that he should be looking after the entire team or is it sort of diminishing returns that to look after that volume of swimmers is there's just simply not enough hours in the day? Yeah, good question. Rowan Taylor is obviously the head coach and I think he does a very good sort of overview job of, of organising the squad. And it's very different. Rowan Taylor has, has coached 
you know, Liesl Jones and a number of other Australian swimmers and swimmers around the world. So he's a very, very good coach, but he's sort of in a different role. I think that what Dean is doing with these swimmers and the improvement he's getting out of them, particularly Ariane, like swimmers at her age, I know she's not old at all, she's only 22 or 23, but she took a second off her personal best in that 400 freak. Yeah, I did all I could. I have to be happy with a PB. Um, look, I thought I had a 152 in me, like if I'm being honest, but um, for anyone to beat me, I'm glad that it's Molly. He's getting the best out of athletes who are in their teens, in their mid-20s. He had seven athletes in the Australian team at the last World Championships. Now he's got 10. I guess the sky's the limit. And then you sort of think, well, how, how many people can he get in this, this clan that he's creating up there? He's got Kai Taylor, the son of Hayley Lewis, who came from the clouds in lane eight at trials to win that 200 freestyle race. And he's competing over here at his maiden world champs. So like Dean Boxall's just an absolute magician at the moment, but he's kind of happy to stay in the background and, and do his thing and not get too much limelight, which he did in Tokyo after that celebration. And rightly so, like he was just beside himself. So he's trying to take a little bit more of a backseat publicly, at least for now. As you've touched on Australian swimming, having a heck of a meet to this point. Just how good could this group of swimmers be as we look ahead to the Paris Olympics next year? I don't think it's being hyperbolic to say this could be one of, if not the best Australian swim team ever. We know around the turn of the century, Australia was littered with talent, gold medalists, world record holders everywhere. We're at the halfway stage of these world championships. Australia have won six gold medals. They're on top of the table. The most they've ever won is 13. And I look through the schedule over the next four days and I can see easily five, six, seven, eight gold medals if things go their way. Still got some relays to come, individual swims. There is just talent, mostly in the freestyle. Like Australia now has four individual world record holders, Kaylee McEwen, Zach Stubblety-Cook, Molly O'Callaghan now in the 200 freestyle and also Ariane Titmus in the 400 free. So there's at the moment genuine stars here in Japan the Australian team is the envy of the swimming world at the moment and if they continue that for the rest of the meet heading into the Paris Olympics where Australia's best tally in the pool is nine gold medals which they did in Tokyo look out like it could be anything and they're a year on who knows where they could be from there so expectations are high but this is a very 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 good swimming team exciting times ahead Tom Decent thanks so much for breaking it all down for us no worries Headlines. In 2019 World Cup finalists, the Netherlands and the United States have played out a tense 1-1 draw at the Women's World Cup in New Zealand. Overnight, Australia's fellow Group B opponents, Ireland, were beaten 2-1 by Olympic champions Canada. That means the Irish have been eliminated with a game still to play in their World Cup. It could be worse. They could be Zambia, who copped their second straight 5-0 defeat, this time to Spain. Elsewhere, Japan rolled Costa Rica 2-0. Rugby Union. Eddie Jones is throwing caution to the wind for the Bledisloe Cup clash in Melbourne. The coaches picked exciting fly half Carter Gordon to make his run on debut against the All Blacks. Talk about a baptism of fire. Jones has also replaced Michael Hooper with Tom Hooper in the number seven jumper. Tom Hooper has played that position just once at the elite level. Alan Ala Alatoa will captain the side. Jones clearly thinks they're a big chance to stick it to the Kiwis. There's nothing better than winning against New Zealand because you feel the country sinking. It's not just rugby sinks, the country sinks. Yeah, the whole economy goes down. They're like the Prime Minister's there with his fingers crossed hoping the All Blacks win because he knows the economy's going to drop if they lose. A Bledisloe win and financial ruin. He is not messing around. 
The rugby league pay dispute continues to spiral. Players have confirmed they will cover the NRL logo on their jerseys for this weekend's fixtures. This follows the ongoing media boycott and suggestions they could skip the Dalian medal. And Jimmy Anderson has been picked for England for the final test despite a disappointing series so far. Captain Ben Stokes says the swing bowler is the finest quick to play, well, ever. High praise. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Channel 9 for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.